Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I live, work and create, the Kumbameri people of the Yungumbe Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Hello and welcome to A Nourish Woman, the podcast. I am your host, Mika Ray. This is a conversational series created to guide women towards a more true, whole, fulfilling and joyful way of living. Together with some truly incredible guests, we embrace what connects us to our vitality and some of the ways that we can nourish our minds, bodies and soul. A Nourish Woman represents a return to wholeness and reclamation of our innate wisdom, our body's intelligence, our appetite for life and our capacity for joy, play and pleasure. It's about moving beyond mere survival and embodying a nourishing and generative mode of living that is aligned with our values, our energy, our desires, and honors the season of life we are in. Thank you for being here. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode. It is an absolute honor for me to share my first guest, Alison Rice. Alison is first and foremost a loving mother and wife. She is also a multiple award-winning leader, career mentor, regenerative brand and content strategist, conscious business consultant, the founder of Offline and the host of Offline, the podcast. Offline is for purpose-driven professionals seeking soft, spacious and aligned success. Alison describes offline as a safe place to land, recover, and redefine the role your work plays in the overall storyline of your life or the impact that you want your brand to have on the world. Mm. It means so much to me that Alison is the first episode because when I reflect, my journey really began when I first started listening to her podcast and undertook her audio course, Make Contact With Your True Self. It really was the catalyst for some truly profound shifts in my life. I was lucky enough to support her in my role as business guardian last year, a real full circle moment. And I have been an active co-creator inside her career and business mentorship space off since its inception. In this conversation, we discuss the current season of life she's in, giving grace to past versions of ourselves, the system that we exist in, what it means to leap and land and sometimes leap again, the end of hustle culture and the girl boss era, how we define true self-success, her highest vision, and so much more. I just know you are going to love her and I urge you all to engage in her work because what Alison has to say is important and necessary. I hope you enjoy. Beautiful Alison, I would love for you to describe the season of life that you are currently in. Ooh, straight into the deep one. <laughs> the season of life I'm in, I suppose I think about this in order of my priorities, mm-hmm. my primary priority in this season and the need that I'm meeting is showing up present for my daughter. Mm. So I think I'm in a motherhood season. 
But recently I've kind of started to transition out of like deep motherhood Mm. and into straddling kind of motherhood and deep service in my business. And that's just come off the back of, I suppose, witnessing her and seeing her independence and that knowing of, okay, it's time for me just to take a little step back so you Mm. can step into yourself even more. Mm. And that has created some space for me to serve even more deeply inside my business. So, yeah, that would be the season I'm in at the moment. And how have you navigated that transition from being in deep motherhood to, to I suppose, where like showing up in your business and motherhood, like what does that look like for you? Hmm, navigating it for me, I suppose I think about less about navigation mm-hmm. and more about maintaining awareness. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, so much of what I teach is trying to remain kind of established in being, established in present moment awareness. And therefore, mm-hmm. it's not a lot of future thinking. It's not a lot of planning. It's just waking up on that day and really feeling into where am I needed today? Like, where is that primary need? Mm-hmm. And then underneath that, what quality of me? is being called forward or is needed as I meet that need. Um, That's really helped me just day by day by day, just today. It's just today. And then tomorrow the shape may be completely different. What I'm presented with may be completely different. But I think getting out of that, you know, living, living in the idea of the future in the mind, that's been huge for me. It's like moving out of that and just going, what is here for me right now today? I, of course, have an idea of what might be next and what those future seasons might look like, both as a parent, a wife, friend, mm-hmm. <laughs> business owner, uh, all of those things. But the primary goal for me, if I had to have one, is just to allow it to unfold. Mm. So, yeah, so less about navigation and more about maybe suspended in a state of presence yeah. and awareness. It's really beautiful. Um, what do you think? So I'm going to make an assumption that, you know, several years ago when you were in a different kind of season of life, pre pre having pre having a baby and working in a corporate role that that wasn't your reality so what can you share about moving from where you were in in that season to what you've just described now it's so interesting because if I wasn't serving in the way that I am inside our space I really feel like I would have lost full contact with that version of me. Mm. You know, it just that as time goes on, she feels further and further away, mm. that version of me. But through this beautiful service and, and mentoring, every day I kind of have to plant myself back in that reality 
and have that remembering of Mm. what did that feel like? What might they need to hear from me? What will be comforting? You know, what will be comforting but still feel really strategic? I think that's that kind of that balance. But if I do go back to her, I just feel for her. Mm. I really just want to be the person who can sit next to her now and be like, not like this, Mm. (laughs) not this way. And how did we get here? And it's not your fault. Yeah. Like all of this, how you're feeling, the pressure you feel, this is not, you didn't bring this on yourself. Mm. Um, You're not failing because you feel this way. It is, as we know and we explore so much, it's the system. Mm. And you didn't realize that you were chasing this ideal, this idea of success that wasn't yours because you were so conditioned. And I was, I've always been very um, diligent. (laughs) And so I feel like as I set my sights on that version of success decades ago now, um, I was very diligent in acquiring that for myself. So I did all the things (laughs) Um, to be kind of fully expressed in that actually. So now I'm fully expressed in self and my essence, but then I was like fully expressed in the idea of success that I had been told to go out and get for myself. Um, So, yeah, so when I think about her, it's just a lot of grace and just I suppose a bit of forgiveness, like, yeah, it's not your fault. And there's another way and it it almost feels like it couldn't be real, too good to be true. (laughs) Um, But I'd also tell her that it is real and you do get to experience it, but you had to be here yeah, to have that really beautiful life-affirming realisation that this isn't it. Because that's what sets us on the path to, I guess, that seeking path, that path of exploration where we start to bump into the bits that feel more true. Yeah. Um, but it has been like, you know, I left that job, what are we now, longer? be five years ago next month. And it has been bumpy. <laughs> you know, I think potentially what it looks like, I don't know, you'll be able to tell me is that it's been effortless and it's been easeful. And and part of that I have to take responsibility for because it's what I, parts of it I show. But I've tried to also be really honest in um, showing my community and my audience what, you know, saying no looks like and what that means, especially as it relates to the business, um, what it looks like to get values aligned, but that that's a process in itself. We don't just wake up. <laughs> no you know, one day and it's all kind of all the ducks are in a row and everything's feeling perfect, like I'm still on my way to that. Um, So there's been many moments in the last five years that I have, of course, questioned, what have you done? What are you doing? (laughs) And I wanted to say that because, like, for anybody who decides to pull the rug out from underneath themselves and their lives and their jobs and that impacts your family and your friends and everything um it is going to be scary 
and I've said this a few times in our space this season, it is going to be scary, but it doesn't hurt. And that's what I can share is that what hurt was staying in a reality that no longer felt true and having to show up every day and pretend to be someone who will pretend to be the character I'd built. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I couldn't just show up in that job and be like, I actually it's all been a lie because <laughs> I thought it was true. Um, so then there's been also that kind of very gentle transition, I suppose, mm. of the messaging of me, which is a whole mm. other dynamic, isn't it, of like yeah. how we create these identities um, and then how do we sort of like backtrack, unwind, take it all back in a way that doesn't leave people feeling like we misled them or that we weren't true in those interactions or those experiences. So, yeah, I can tell you coming up to five years next month, this year is the first year I felt fully sure. Yeah. So if you're going to do it, buckle up. Mm. <laughs> well, I know you've said that before. It's like messy, can be really messy. Mm-hmm. The, the bumpy road. <laughs> the bumpy road to enlightenment yeah, and alignment and softness and space and all these things we explore so much um, in my work. Mm. It's weird because we're like seeking softness, but it's pretty, it's pretty sharp getting there. <laughs> yeah. And also it's like I think from personal experience it doesn't always feel safe either, at least not in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's like retraining. Yeah. And I Your guess body. that's the thing that we pull apart a lot, isn't it? It's the perceived safety mm. that we kind of build our lives around. Mm. But actually, the safest place for us to be is in the not knowing and the unknown because it's in the unknown that the true path is lit up. Mm. So we're really just, oftentimes, not always, that our our safety, our plans, our scheming, our scheduling is just distancing ourselves from what's actually meant for us. Mm. So it's a real get out of the way. But that's very... That's very hard to do. It's also very privileged to be able to even contemplate what it would look like to fall back and surrender into the unknown. Um, And that's probably been what I've straddled the past five years of, you know, I have a very loving husband who married a particular version of me Mm -hmm. and we have Mm -hmm. commitments and we've had, you know, financial commitments come up, you know, that was obviously unexpected and that, yeah, that straddling of, Gently, <laughs> slowly, um, and that I couldn't just, you know, go to India and sit on the side of a hill and, yeah, it's like staying in the in the relative. Yeah, that's so funny because I, you know, my my husband and I have been together a really long time, and um, you know, every now and again, someone will be like, "So, like, what? You know, like, you're still so happily married, and." You know, what does that come down to? <laughs> because I'm sure he's met at least three to four different versions of me in that time. I'm keeping just keeping it, it fresh. <laughs> Mixing it up. Who do we have this year? Well, this yeah. year. <laughs> this year, gosh. Um, what am I? This year I'm working on my <laughs> XYZ. And so you're going to feel that flow through into our marriage. And yeah. This is and really this big is as well for like women, isn't it, in that mm-hmm. oftentimes – 
when we have these realizations and this kind of awakening, other stuff awakens in us. Mm. One of those primary things being our true sexual essence as well. Mm-hmm. So when we're in these beautiful, committed relationships and marriages or in partnership, there's just new parts of us that come forward and come through. And I can only mm. imagine they're like, what? Mm. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, they're just, you know, fairly linear creatures. So they just don't quite understand, but it is very nice and very important, I think, to have that loving support. But I really love what you shared before because I feel like it touched on, you know, some of the realities when it comes to making drastic change in our life or choosing something different and that it's not it's not always going to be smooth sailing. And, you know, I know you speak a lot about um, leaping and landing and sometimes we land and then we realise we need to leap again, you know, and to keep doing that as well. So what do you think... I mean, I feel like you did briefly touch on this, but what do you think was the catalyst, the main catalyst for you taking that big leap? Mm. You know, I just felt so uncomfortable. Mm. I felt so untrue and I'm a really honest person. So I think it was the... um. It was the realization that what was required of me to stay would be to try and forget day in, day out what I'd realized. Mm. And that felt harder actually than going. Going was hard. And we can talk about that if you want, because it was like I vomited. It was very difficult, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And often that it happens in the body in that way. But, um, But the prospect of staying. And having to just compromise my my integrity, my values, my essence every single day in order to kind of maintain what I'd created mm-hmm. and the perception of me, that was exhausting, the prospect of that. I mean, I gave it a good shot. It was about a year in the end. I stayed not mm-hmm. fully landed in it, having yeah. had the realisation but pretending it would all be okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think it's that the denial of the evolution of my values was the the kind of catalyst moment and just creatively something else was trying to come through. I could really feel, you know, like the job itself was, it was an enormous job and there was lots of amazing things I got to do and I was in all different areas of the business every day, which I love. Um, so it's not, wasn't that there was a lack of, stimulus yeah uh it was just the the content of that the quality of that there was just something else that was like which is of course offline that really was giving me a good nudge um and that became very difficult because I knew what I wanted to create and then what I was creating and how I was using my gifts and my skills having to be in rooms whether in our organization or inside ad agencies presenting this vision and this dream that I no longer believed in and it was felt so one-dimensional I was like oh god I can't be doing this <laughs> am I doing this um so yeah and so I also think knowing that there was something else trying to come through was also a really beautiful landing pad maybe that like if nothing else I'm going to explore this thing mm-hmm. So it's not going to be time wasted or 
can't be the wrong decision really. Yeah. Um, and, and then we'll just see where that, where that goes. And I definitely, definitely, definitely didn't think I'd still be doing it now. Definitely yeah. not. <laughs> I absolutely thought there would be a job that would be like less painful. Mm. That would still pay the same. That would still allow me the same kind of, I'm going to say social status. Yeah. Industry status. At that point, that was still really a motivator for me is what, what will people think of me. Um, I really thought something like that would just <laughs> actualize. Yeah. Um, but that hasn't happened and that's been a lesson in itself, you know, that I don't need to and I haven't put myself out there. Yeah. I haven't pitched myself. I haven't. Of course, there's been nights where I'm like, should I write a resume? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I've never acted on it. Just knowing that that's that. That's the old intellect mm-hmm. trying to just regain, regain control. And I'm just like, allow, allow, allow. Yeah. Um, and here Not I am. Not have a backup still, plan. Yeah. No. And I will say like there's definitely versions of the business mm-hmm. that probably are the backup plan. Like there's things mm-hmm. that I could do with this business that I know would monetize relatively quickly or whatever. Um, And I feel like maybe there's a bit of safety in that where I, there are levers I can pull, but I haven't yet needed to pull them. But I do feel like they're there and that's the strategist in me of like, I do have like three plans. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm currently sitting and remaining in the one that feels most true. Yeah. I love that. Mm. And so with that and with the bumpy road, what has that looked like in your kind of every day? Like how has that changed over this time period of like five years? Um, Yeah, what does that look like in your every day? As in what does the texture look like? Mm. Well, the biggest one has been the money Mm. because I stepped out of, I still maintain I wasn't paid well but for the job I mean it was a relatively senior role um it was the most money I'd ever been on certainly um I went from on the 15th of every month yeah having this particular amount of money land in my um bank account yeah and then nothing and I think the kind of the the earning piece and the the realization that's happened over five years that I can create as much money as I need mm. versus I have to work for X, Y, Z or really hard to earn that money. Mm. I think that's probably been the bumpiest. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And that's like, for anyone listening, I have a really annoying cough and once my throat tickles, it's over. I'm going to eat my soother. Yeah, that's been the, probably the biggest one. And I think just the sense of responsibility that comes with that, like for my family, you know, like I left my job and in turn kind of asked Tony to also let go of some of the dreams we had. So that feeling of selfish really rose to the surface of my awareness. 
and has a lot. Um, but again, the privilege of being in partnership with someone who, I mean, we're in the same industry, so he gets it as well. You know, if he was like, <coughs> I don't know, I'm just going to throw like an accountant and I'm a creative, I can absolutely see a world where he wouldn't have that understanding, but he's a creative, so he knows what it feels like when there's something burning inside that just, you know, that you want to realise for yourself. And that conversation for us has been kind of every six months over the last five years. And I've said this before, I'm like, I think I just need six more months. <laughs> I think in six more months um, I'll be able to pay myself properly. I think in six more months. So, yeah, so I think the biggest the biggest bump has been the money and mm. I think the shedding that's come with um, the perception that I don't have enough because I've really now landed in what is that relevant amount of economic wealth for me and my family? And it's actually nowhere near the number I thought it was going to be. And so this more kind of simplistic living, um, this living from that more present moment and having a very fulfilling experience inside of myself has meant that I'm not feeling like I've got to go to the shops to buy something yeah, to get that, that hit of like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I'm having that on a regular basis and that's happening in my body, in my, you know, in my essence. Yeah. And so it's weird. Like I just don't spend as much money as well. So there's that too because then I realised how much of what I thought I had to earn was attached to the lifestyle and what that required, which mm-hmm. was, you know, I was in women's lifestyle publishing. Like you had to have the bloody shoes. Yeah. Yeah. You had to have the bags. Um, look, you didn't have to, but. There was definitely a belief from yeah. me and many others that sitting at those tables in those rooms, you had to look a certain way. And I absolutely ate that up, gobbled it up, mm-hmm. spent all my monies on all the things. Um, but I also really enjoyed that, by the way. So I also hold yeah. a lot of grace for that chapter of it was a bit um, frivolous. It was indulgent. And I'd never had money. I don't come from money. Mm. I never knew what it was like to be able to go into a shop and pick something mm. and just decide that I'll have that. And so I definitely mm. just really juiced that. I enjoyed that. Um, but, yeah, but in terms of the other bumps, I feel like that's really the main one for me. Yeah. Like it was all the earning and mm. the perceived safety that that figure, that that money landing on a certain date gave me. Um, because I've said this a few times and it won't always be the reality, but right now, like I've never had less money, Yeah, but I've never been happier, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I'll say it again, like there'll be other seasons where I'll come in, I'll earn lots of money. I'll make a lot of money. I'll create a lot of money, but there's no fear that that's not coming or that won't happen. Because I now understand what that is, Mm. (laughs) you know, and how to cultivate it, how to create it, um, and how to acknowledge when I'm stepping into a season of earning. Mm. Whereas right now I'm very deep in a season of mother and service and creating, you know, and like beautifully it's, it's paying me a wonderful living right now. Yeah. Um, and that ebbs and flows. 
So, yeah, well, that's the thing. It does, like everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I always like to think to myself that I'm rich in every area that actually matters. (laughs) Preach that. And so everything else is just a bonus. You know, everything that comes from that is a bonus. Mm, I feel like I'm rich in time, Mm. give or take with a toddler, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm rich in freedom and flexibility. I'm rich in creativity, Mm. service, love, friendship. Not rich in food, which you are helping me with. You know, so I don't sit here as like this perfect vessel of what it means to be a nourished woman because I'm like Mm. probably 95% nourished and there's 5% there where I need (laughs) to show up for myself Yeah, with the food situation. Um, But I'm very aware of it and I always say with these things, it's like the awareness is often enough. Yeah, absolutely. It's when we're not aware of, you know, where we're kind of um, not serving ourselves. Absolutely. Progress, so, not perfection. Yeah, that was nice to be able to talk about all the, all the riches. Yeah, mm. it is nice. It's I always, yeah, I always think about that. Always puts a smile on my face. Um, so I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit based on you know expectations and you know the system and everything. Obviously, I feel like because you've spoken about you know the girl boss era and the hustle culture and how that has you know translated not only into our work but into our lives, the way that we show up in our lives as well. Productivity being the, you know, the highest metric and a measure of success and, um, yeah, and so I know that you are particularly passionate about redefining the role that work plays in our lives overall and so I was hoping that you could define what it means to create space between what we are and what we do. Mm. This is a massive topic. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I'm either going to talk at length or I'm going to find Cliff's a way notes. to say it, say it really succinctly. Um, at the most expressed level, and you know I always do this, like let's mm. go over, we can go up there, mm-hmm. we can go in the middle or we can stay in the relative, but let's just go for it. Let's just go right up there. At the most express level, I believe that we are the fulfillment we seek. So that we are one individual individual expression of the one whole consciousness. And the purpose of life, I'm really going to go there, is that we liberate ourselves from the suffering that comes with the belief that we are separate from that whole and that all consciousness itself, which is us, all it's wanting from us, through us, is to have a unique view of itself. And so through that lens, you just go, oh, work is absolutely not what this is all about. No. <laughs> um, but the one of the reasons why we believe that what we do is attached to who we are and what we are and why we're here is because we've all for the most part been raised in a an economic system that is 
funded and fueled by our productivity and us striving for that version of success that looks we've all had a you know we all know what it is the job the title the email signature the money mm-hmm. you know the power the status um how people perceive us based on all these things that we've acquired the amount of houses we have bags shoes objects yep <laughs> all of that so this economic system would fail if we all went no mm-hmm. <laughs> not anymore and that really is what's at the heart of my work like you know i talk about it now as like recovering girl bosses Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and like people who are evolving beyond the hustle and grind Mm -hmm. and into that softness and spaciousness and what is what we arrive at in that spaciousness is it is that realization of what we really are Mm -hmm. and we bump into why we're really here And so for some people in some seasons of their life, their work and their purpose will intersect, Mm -hmm. their true purpose. Yeah. Lucky ones, they're lucky. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very beautiful thing that's happening to me right now. It might not forever. Um, And then for other people, their work is simply, and this is like most of us, a productive outlet for us, for our consciousness, for our gifts mm. and our skills. And and if we can try and kind of point our profession in the direction of a need that we believe we're here to meet in some way, that we're all uniquely designed, there's a need that's, that's ours. Mm-hmm. In any given time, we're a match for that need. If we can point our profession in that direction, we do bump into a little bit of peace and we get that sense of, fulfillment but the work itself is not what's feeling that it's not the fulfillment we are the fulfillment and we export ourselves into these places and spaces and there we get that feeling of like oh this is good mm. <laughs> this feels right this feels aligned yeah um but this comes and goes because there's other seasons of our lives and i think many people listening will identify with this where you're like i'm in a funding season Mm. I actually am not in that privileged position yet. Like I'm still maintaining a life that I signed up for and mm-hmm. committed to. Yeah. And so what's required of me is to sort of keep going in a job that might not feel that special way, but allows me the funding to be able to explore myself and feel into those needs and, yeah, make contact with the truth of what I am. And then, yeah. It'll just, again, it will ebb and flow. Um, I think some people also eventually step out of ever needing a funding season again because of how much their internal belief system has changed, Mm. you know, um, and they may have found themselves in the very sweet position of community and service and care. And I guess that then comes down to like mothers and matriarchs and elders and like I think if we if we had to like set our sights on anything I think as women that's where I'd be looking is returning home to that but there's a lot of undoing for many of us you know gently gently with the partner gently gently with the friends and the parents um and there's lots wrapped up in that as well like that's um 
the perception that we might be seen as unstable. That looks a bit messy over there and she's losing it. So you can see there's still kind of, (laughs) there's still this sense of um, self-preservation, even in the undoing, not too much, too quick. I still want to be seen to be in control. Yeah. Uh, And then you've got other people who just absolutely drop a grenade on all of it and just go, I'm out. (laughs) Um, And I do think about that sometimes. Like if I wasn't in relationship, if I wasn't a mother, pretty much guarantee I probably wouldn't be in this country, in this town. Mm. Um, but I also know there's going to be seasons of my life where I'm able to fully express that and explore that and that will feel like the right thing. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So in the work that you're doing now um, as a mentor and a strategist, um, you're working with people who are what you say um, or what you describe as seeking soft, spacious and aligned success. And you speak a lot about um, defining true self-success. So I would love for you to expand on that a little bit and what it means to work that out for ourselves. Mm. I feel like this is probably the biggest bit of professional development we'll ever do. Mm. You know, it's not a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> it's not a course on Linda no. or the intranet. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a true exploration of our essence mm. and that takes time. Mm. Some bits can come pretty quick, hard and fast. Um, other bits can take a long time to feel into. So. Um, this idea, no, I should call it a reality actually, this reality I call true self-success is individually defined and internally experienced. Mm-hmm. So it's actually for no one else but us. Mm-hmm. And there's no book or scoring system or guide that says where you sit. Yeah. Because it's it's our own. And it has nothing to do with what we're called, how much we earn, where we live, what we wear, what we've acquired, none of that. Mm -hmm. True self-success is when I wake up in the morning, how do I feel about my day? Do I feel that softness? Do I have that presence? Do I feel that sense of purpose Mm -hmm. and direction today for me? Where am I exporting myself today? Because I am the fulfillment. And I'm going to place myself in the spaces that need me. But the feeling is what it's all about. Do I wake up? And like I've been sharing it a bit in our space and I've taken some more pictures to keep sharing. Like the other day I had about 45 minutes. And so I thought I could spend that 45 minutes clearing out my inbox or I could get the fuck up (laughs) and go and, um, experience one of my expressions of true self-success I sat in the sun at my favorite cafe had my chai and I scrolled TikTok and I laughed a lot because my feed's quite funny my algorithm (laughs) (laughs) and I shared that with our space to say true self-success tiny micro moment of absolute aligned joy yeah yesterday I had um an hour 
and it was three o'clock, weird time. <laughs> you know, you're like, so Betty was in daycare and I thought I'm going to go upstairs. I made myself, you'll be so proud, a big nourishing salad. Delicious. And watch an episode of Sex in the City. Amazing. True self-success. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then now that I am kind of in more of a funding season or I've come into some funding, <laughs> created money for myself, um, what I'm able to do with that money. Mm. So what I'm funding and where it's going. Mm. True self-success. So, <clears throat> again, it just, it takes a little while because yeah. we have so much shedding to do. Mm. So much letting go of those ideals and those um, those versions of success that we realize when we get them mm -hmm. that they could never support our cycles and our seasons and especially as women. Mm. It's the letting go of that is like, it's hard. Mm. And I'm not exempt from every now and again rubbing up against it and going, oh, maybe. Mm. <laughs> maybe it is that way. Um, and then you have that remembering again. So, yeah, more and more in my work, I'm like, I wish there was this kind of, I wish I could do like a course or a mm. downloadable or a <laughs> infograph. Well, I could probably do an infograph. Um, but it actually happens inside spaces like off mm. where it's just daily contact with the truth mm. is the thing that kind of cracks us open to what that might look for us, what that might look like for us and how we might yeah. define it for ourselves. But they're all going to be different. And by the way, it's okay. Also, if you're like, my version of true self-success is a corporate salary and mm this particular job because that means X, Y, Z for me. But it's just the awareness that I'm choosing mm. this mm -hmm. versus I have to do this and this is just the way it is mm -hmm. and I just have to suck it and, yep. you know, get on with it. So it's all about the space between, I suppose, the doing mm -hmm. and where we find ourselves. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean – Self-awareness is the thing, like being able to, as you said, make contact with those parts of ourselves and to understand them. Um, I'm curious to know, I mean, I, I feel like I do know already a little bit, but I'd love for you to sort of speak into what, what those self, like what the, to, what the tools and practices have been for you to kind of make contact with that self-awareness, that embodied self-awareness. Mm. So this one I feel like people might identify with this. We just kind of start with the stuff we're curious about. Mm. So I always feel like there's kind of levels, layers. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was always at my kind of corporate desk, and it might sound a bit cliche and a bit, you know, a certain way, but I had the crystals. Mm. You know, and we'd launch things and I would cleanse us before I would send things live. And like I had these little things that just felt true for me and they didn't kind of fit in that environment. But mm. I didn't bring them all. I just kind of brought the ones that I thought were like tolerable for people, you know, mm -hmm. that I was still going to be taken seriously as a an executive. Um, but also I was working with women on women's brands who were kind of getting into it. Um, 
so it kind of started there where I just had these little things that felt good and true. Mm-hmm. Um, as I have explored my essence and studied knowledge and wisdom, I've grown so much and there's been a lot of realizings around um, my right to some of those rituals um, needing to be initiated by custodial voices for some of those rituals, really kind of top-level stuff like where I was buying the sage, you know, the crystals, the quality of those, where they came from. So that's been a whole other kind of level of self-awareness and unlearning, I suppose, Mm -hmm. and the kind of commercialization of spirituality and like white woman, white girl spirituality, lots of um, confronting painful stuff, Um, realizing all the times I've been really complicit. Even in the body now, I'm like, ah, but necessary. Um, So I share all that to say like, yeah, it started with some beautiful crystal work some cleansing, some tarot. And these are all things I still engage with, but they now feel like um, just these beautiful additions to what is a very um, deep and authentic connection to what I am, what I truly am, and the big um, heart-opening, I think, I suppose, technique and body of knowledge for me was learning Vedic meditation and um, exploring the Vedas. And again, that's been its own journey of mm. who I learned from, who I funded in that learning, um, how I choose to now be inside that knowledge as it relates to my own business. <sighs> so lots of bits, but I would say that you know, Vedic meditation as a technique was really the thing that allowed everything else to get out of the way and just to be with self. So it's a silent mantra-based technique and they're these beautiful things called bija mantras and they're sounds that we hear in the mind. You know, me being very practical with my teacher, I was like, can you spell it for me so I can write it down because I don't <laughs> want to forget it? And he's like, it's not really like that. <laughs> um, but we hear this sound that's kind of prescribed for us based mm-hmm. on what I've been told is kind of season of life, what we're moving through, less about age. And the mind, the intellect, um, can't make sense of it, can't mm. intellectualize it, can't think about it. And so actually what the the mantra is, it's a a vehicle. It's like getting in a car and driving past our mind and pointing down and driving down. Yeah. <laughs> um and so this is how we transcend. Mm. And that that transcendence and making daily contact with whatever you want it, consciousness, the soul, the essence. That has been the single most kind of profound life affirming thing. And as I started to have that experience, I got very interested in 
the knowledge that comes with that technique. And, and other things like Ayurveda and like, you know, there's like many different branches to that tree. Um, but again, I suppose I just want to, I do find it quite hard to talk about publicly, especially like on record because I'm so aware now of I'm a bridge. Like I've landed in the knowing that for many people, I am a bridge to custodial voices and to the people that you should absolutely be funding. And that changed the shape of my entire business when I had that, that landing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like to think that while I am an entry point, I, I'm, I, you'll pass through me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not, um, that's not my role. And I think for a little while I got a bit, not confused, but um, led. And then back to the knowing. <laughs> back to the I am the expert on me and, and I know. Um, but, yeah, so I reckon that's that's the big one. But, you know, I um, what says I kind of fuck with everything. Like I, I like to try lots of different things. I go in with a really open mind. I saw my first psychic recently or kind of recently. Um, I've never wanted to do that. I've never, I suppose, believed in that. But I just was like, mm, nah, I don't really yeah. want to be dealing with that. And she was more of a sort of angel messenger mm-hmm. and it was profound yeah um so there's just there's other things that I absolutely gobble up and you know but it's all playful for me it's all just yeah I don't like the fundamentalist piece and or becoming a fundamentalist in something I think that that's where spirituality can get a bit dangerous and we just conform once again you know out of one <laughs> into another out of one character and, and into another. So I think the playfulness is is the key here. Definitely. And just following the curiosities as well. I really love that because that feels true for me, definitely. Yeah, even when it doesn't make sense. We're like, I shouldn't yeah. be into this. Yeah. Or people Absolutely. are going to think I'm wacko if I talk about <laughs> this, and they probably will. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. Sometimes you're surprised. You know, and kind of tell ourselves that people might be like, what is this about? But then actually speaking with some people I found in my experience, like they're interested in something equally different or, you know, it can kind of start off on a a whole new, you know, topic of conversation. Yes. And it opens actually, it's the been door. really interesting when I go to like media events now, I don't go to that many, but some I still get these beautiful invites and ones that I feel like, oh, yeah, that makes sense to me to be there. And I go yeah. in kind of thinking, okay, bring women's lifestyle, Alison, bring bring the vibe. And what I keep finding is people will seek me out in the room and be mm-hmm. like, hey, what is it that you're doing because it looks like mm. amazing. I need to or, know hey, more. Like I'm really spiritual and I haven't really been able to talk about it to anyone and, hey, you know, I heard you do this meditation thing. What is that? So, again, mm-hmm. same as you, it's like, oh, they're there's still a role for me in those rooms. It just looks a bit different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like giving people the benefit of the doubt that mm. we've all been harboring these secret feelings of <laughs> feeling <laughs> unexpressed. Absolutely. And then I think when you when you communicate those things, you give those people permission to do the same, you know, to communicate mm. with you about the things that they're curious about or the things that they've been learning or they're interested in. 
um, yes. yeah, it kind of opens the door for that. So, you know, for me, I, I think that to be a nourished woman means that you have, you know, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, this kind of toolkit of resources at your disposal when you need them. And, you know, it can be daily practices. It can be things that you kind of call on in times of need or when you're needing um, resilience, when you're going through something. So you've spoken about Vedic meditation. Is there anything else you would add to your toolkit of nourishing resources? Hmm, I would say that was the big thing for me that I realized for me, mm. uh, different for everyone. It's almost like it's all I needed. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? Just like all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is it. Mm. It's just 20 minutes twice a day. <laughs> like this is literally it. And it puts me in contact with all of the answers. I don't even have to ask mm. anyone anything anymore because I'm, I'm so kind of tuned in now to that highest self, however you want to talk about it, mm. that highest expression. Mm-hmm. And because it allows me, it gives me this presence, the purification, but also the presence. I've got a real ear on the ground every day. I can hear, I can sense, I can see, you know. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, I would say what's in my kind of toolkit or toolbox is soul friendships. Mm. Because when I'm not having an internal experience, I want to be having an external experience with someone who is able to be in my texture mm-hmm. and hold that mm-hmm. and offer me support and actually not really guidance. I'm not looking for advice. And I think as women, we're so giving. We're so nurturing, we're so loving that we automatically go to fix, go to solve. And that's one of the biggest things that we're actually going to explore in the session with Zoe in November. My girlfriend is just how much I've learned about um, holding space. Mm. You know, it can sound really cliche when I say because we're using that language so much now and it starts to lose meaning and it's repetition. But it really is what it is, is like we're showing up soul to soul, Mm. you know, and we're allowing each other to express the truth, Mm. however it might sound coming out, Mm. and know that we're not judged in that moment, you know, that we're not looking for advice, we just want to be heard. Mm. And, yeah, so when I'm not, I suppose, doing the work mm-hmm. and it being that internal, I want to be surrounded by people who can just be in be in my storylines with me, you know what mm. I mean, when we all know what they are. Mm. But I can still present as human individual Alison that's going through things that even though I have the knowledge, mm-hmm. you can still kind of indulge in, that this isn't fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> so so that would be my other kind of, I suppose it's not mm. really a tool, is it's more of a. No, that's. An outlet mm. um, to be seen and heard. Well, I suppose like for me, when I think about soul friendship, there is obviously having those people that can um, 
you know, accept us and love us and, and hold us. But for me, it's also been a soul friendship has meant me allowing those parts of myself to come forward as well. Because like I've definitely, you know, been somebody who's, and this is based on many things, but um, being someone who kind of self-insulates, I'll figure it out. I'm, you know, I'm, I've got to move. I know all the things. I'm going to move through this, you know, the way that I need to and, you know, but it's that allowing as well for people to hold us. I think that's the soul. That's what a soul friendship is for me is, Major. yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think for anyone who identifies as the person people come to, mm. very difficult for us to mm. feel safe to go to anyone else like we hold so much who could possibly hold me mm. um and I only have a couple you know I don't I don't no, yeah. I don't know whether we get many no um maybe <laughs> that would be so amazing that probably is on us as well isn't it but yeah. um I think that's what so many women experience mm. maybe as they push up towards satin return late 20s early mm. 30s mid 30s late 30s where you start to really acknowledge the distance between where you're at in your own evolution and your friends, say. Mm. And then there's this really sticky bit where you're like, what do I do with these friendships Mm. then? Because I love them, of course. But in the world we're living in, the very limited amount of free time that we have, Mm. especially if we're in the role of carer, whether for parents or children, Children. um, you kind of want to put yourself like you, those moments that you have, you want them to mm. be rich, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but so often we stay kind of, I think, a bit stationary in those friendships as not wanting to like ruffle any feathers or make yeah. anyone feel like they're not good enough or whatever, growing enough. Um, but I think we really do ourselves a disservice. And, mm. you know, we, we have to be okay. And this has been huge for me. We have to be okay with the perception Mm. of us when we, I always talk about this as just gently letting go. Mm. (laughs) It's not like an abrupt wear over. No. Uh, It's a very kind of gentle uncoupling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we have to be okay with how they might be left feeling about us. Yes. But we know that what's evolutionary for us is evolutionary for them. We know Mm. that because we have that contact with the truth, Mm. because we have this loving wisdom that we're around and that we believe in. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing we ground into is like we have that source knowledge. Mm -hmm. So we have to be all right with them being where they are on their journey, having a particular view potentially of us. Like I definitely know I there's friends out there or past friends who would probably not say very kind things about me. Mm. Um, But I know that that was a heart-led decision Mm. and that my life became infinitely richer. Mm. Uh, And I think theirs probably did as well. Yeah. You know, whether they would want to admit it or not. Um, But then going out and finding the ones, I've speak Mm. about this a lot, I've had to be very forward in my approach. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when you have that special feeling like you've just met and you're mm. like, this this feels like home. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't feel this good this quick. Like they're the ones that we want to kind of lock into and explore. But I think, mm-hmm. again, as women, we can sometimes shy away from going, hey, I want you. 
I want you in my life and what mm-hmm. might that look like? Do you have space? Are you interested? Like, <laughs> you know, there's a bit of a dance, but it requires yeah. us to pitch ourselves in a weird way, I think. Yeah. Um, so I've done that a couple of times now and it's been obviously a very fulfilling experience, but very hard of like mm. the fear of rejection and mm. of course. Um, and there's one that I'm we're doing a bit of a dance at the moment, which is very exciting. Yeah. You know, was like they just keep coming. I'm 38 and there's more. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but how brilliant. This is the mm. thing. It's kind of like just because, you know, you've made friends at some point. But on that as well, like, you know, putting yourself out there for sure, I've experienced that. And it's so nice to know that we're still going to, you know, potentially find these kinds of friendships well into our lives. Um, but even like, and I suppose this goes back to the allowing as well, but recognizing some of the people who've been there all along, that's yes. been true for me because, you know, like I can have a really strong connection with someone or, um, you know, we can connect on something in particular and, and maybe that serves that particular thing that I'm going through or, you know, time in my life. But when I reflect, and this has been really big for me over the last, I think probably like six months going, oh, these people are extraordinary and they've been here all along and I have not like, I given them. them enough credit or maybe opened up enough or, yeah, allowed them to kind of and come in more waiting. and be there. Yeah patiently bless them I think that makes me think a lot about you know it's always fun to go do the shiny new thing Mm. but you're so right there's some friendships where there's a lot left to be explored and Mm. there's a deepening that can Mm. happen and I think that also requires us and I've had a conversation like this recently very hard Mm. is I think there's more here yeah and I want to know I want to see the more and if I'm wrong, then fine. Yeah. Um, but there's potential, I suppose, mm. is what we're saying, isn't it? There's yeah. friendships that have more potential yeah. to deepen and, and to be that sole friendship, but we've just never let them see us mm. in any other way other than that role we played in the beginning. Mm. Mm. Or there's something in particular that we go through where it's, you know, their time to shine. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, maybe they've, like I said, been there all along and we just didn't realise and or that was their time, you know, or our time together. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I love that we spoke about this actually because it is so important. Um, and I suppose it's that, it's that community piece that's so pivotal, I think, um, for the health of women especially and something we've kind of really stepped away from but beautifully we're kind of moving, you know, back towards. Mm having those communities around in our personal life. And then, you know, for example, what you've done with off, like for me off um, has been, you know, incredibly pivotal in both my personal and professional growth. And oh, it's just the best. <laughs> and you've honestly fostered like such a, yeah, just such a nurturing community within the space. Um mm. So I want you to talk about it because more people need to know about it. They do, don't they? They do. I said on Instagram not that long ago, I was like, I don't want to be an if you know, you know thing yeah. anymore. I am over being niche. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the only reason for that is because I have been able to witness 
the level of transformation available mm. inside the space and inside this work. And I want that for more people, like really mm. sincerely. Mm. It's not about growing a big mega million dollar business. I think that'll happen as a byproduct yeah. of the intention, mm-hmm. you know, the, the heart-led intention of, of the work and the space. Um, I can probably only properly talk about it now. I wasn't sure I really knew what it was mm-hmm. up until this season. And, you know, you and I had a very brief conversation before we started to record that when we create things, especially something like a community-led initiative, mm-hmm. We have that tendency, again, that conditioning that needs to be kind of cooked and done Mm. and then we launch this kind of perfect product. Mm. It's ready. Um, What I've experienced is the exact opposite of that where I launched, Mm. not 100% sure what it was but knowing that it needed to exist Mm. and being very deliberate about calling us co-creators, not members or Mm -hmm. I don't know what other word you would use this belief that we would breathe life force and energy into the space together and that it would find its way through that collaboration, that co-creation. And that's taken 18 months. And so I mentioned it in a voice memo the other day, like for anyone who's been in the space from the beginning or even at any stage last year, really. Mm. Um, I'm so grateful that you just stayed with it and stayed with me and trusted that it was unfolding. Like together we did the allowing thing. Um, And now even separating kind of career co-creators from founder, that was something I always knew would probably happen. I just couldn't even figure out how. Yeah. (laughs) What will that look like? And then what will that mean? And what will I charge? And how will it live? And You know, you're just like, oh, I'm just going to do it the same again because yeah, the limited time I have working, you know. So I think this season, Kim, actually one of our co-creators, um, I don't think she ended up joining the season, but she wrote to me. So many beautiful people wrote to me that didn't come in this season. I'm just like, I just want you to know <laughs> it's not you. It's not the space. It's like, you know, X, Y, Z, which is always so beautiful. But she had said something along the lines of it's landed. Like it just, yeah. it just feels like it, it knows itself. Mm. Um, so to talk about what off is, um, it's a space for us to close the gap between the truth of what we are and how we show up in our work, not what we do for work necessarily. Mm -hmm. Again, for some lucky souls, (laughs) they'll get that magic moment of those things intersecting in some seasons, but it's really more about when we understand the truth of what we are, that one unique expression of the whole consciousness, that changes our entire reality and the quality in which we show up in any job or any business, what we build and how we build it. And it straddles. It's like spiritually informed but highly strategic. I should say and highly strategic because we can be both and I think that's its kind of the space it owns, actually, if the space had to own the space, it would be the place you can come to explore your essence mm. while also remaining very strategic in your career or in your business. Yeah. And it's all really built around my transmission, which has been another thing that I probably didn't properly realize or recognize 
or speak into truth for myself that I built a space that I am uniquely designed to serve within. And I think so much of the resonance comes from that mm-hmm. is I'm not doing anything that doesn't feel true mm-hmm. apart from some admin, <laughs> which you've helped me with in the past. I don't know if it'll ever feel true for me, <laughs> but it's just the season of the business and what's required of me right now. So I'm playful with that too. Mm. You know, I try and really sort of conjure excited energy when I get to uploading things. Or like, yeah. It's an act of devotion <laughs> and my business. That's right. Um, so, yeah, how do you think I did talking about this space? I think. I feel like I you could even talk about it better than I could because I'm like, this is what I think it is. No, I think that's perfect. Um, and I think I love what you said about that it's kind of uniquely designed for you because I think it's so easy to build a thing based on what we think people will like yeah. instead of building a thing that we are designed to lead. Yes. Makes me think of this is what I have to give. Yeah. And this is how I'm designed to give it. Yeah. And the trust that the person who is a match for my transmission mm. will accept the structure. Mm. And that, that the like, structure changes. That true. Yeah. 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 And that it evolves as we evolve, as I evolve as mm. well. Like I am definitely not interested in doing the same thing over and over again year in, year mm. out. Mm. So those evolutions are for me as much as they are meeting these kind of needs I'm seeing yeah. in the, the business and the brand. I think the beautiful thing, especially for founders, is that, well, hopefully you'll tell me, um, that you can witness like my my strategic thinking and growth in my own business. Mm. So I'm like doing the thing as I'm teaching the thing and kind of yeah. reporting back from the other side, which I think yeah. is nice because sometimes you can have mentors who did it 10 years ago. Yeah. And all that information is incredible and it sounds amazing, but the reality is it's very different today to build something, thoughtfully scale it, mm. attract a community, find mm-hmm. your people, um, and that will keep changing. So I think there's something very dynamic about yeah. me being in the texture of building something while also showing you or teaching you hopefully how to do it, how I've done it, how you mm. could do it. Because there's things mm. I teach that I haven't done myself um, yeah. for strategic reasons, um, but have mentored other businesses and business owners through. So, mm. um, but yeah, and then on the career side, the shape even for this season, it really has felt like a lot of people just feeling professionally displaced mm. in organisations, just lost in their career. Um, lots of very natural um, existential thinking. Is this it? You know, or shit, I've like signed myself up for this particular life. Can I even be an agent of change in it, Mm. you know, and what might Mm. that kind of look like? Mm. So that feels like the kind of, yeah, the tone of the career co-creator. But, I mean, there's obviously lots of different expressions in there, but most of the questions I've had, I've been um, hashtagging them, you would have seen, so you can search the WhatsApp. Another thing I was meditating, I was like, hashtag searchable. I know, it's brilliant. (laughs) Um, But I've been, yes, I've been keeping a track and 
I would say 99% of the ones I've answered are hashtag true self, hashtag transitions. Yeah. <laughs> because it feels like that very, yeah, people kind of on the precipice of a new season. Yeah. And they're just looking for some guidance on how they might leap in. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I think like on the founder piece that you were speaking about before, to me, <clears throat> the way that you, you're doing it um, now, but I think even in past seasons as well with it, I feel like you are like truly embodying what it is you teach, which is a rare thing, mm. a very rare thing. And I think what we can relate to as founders is that you, like you said, you're right there alongside with us having your own experience, you know, and that's comforting as well. (laughs) Some comfort in that. Um, And everyone's the same. And I suppose that's what it is about community is that these people like can actually relate to the experience I'm having and you as a mentor can actually relate to the experience I'm having, whether or not you're right there in it as well or you were, you know. Um, so and that's that felt like the shape for founder is like, mm. it's actually very recent stuff for me that mm. I've recently evolved beyond or transitioned yeah. through. So it's all very fresh mm. learnings, which is mm. nice. And I think yeah. the biggest one, which you'll know about was the energy cleanup mm. coming into this season and how I marketed it and how I got to properly put to use all this strategy that I've written down but never really felt like I had the capacity to properly execute. Mm. But having had more time and giving myself a month to be talking about the space, um, every single one of you, like I'd never done this before where I like individually called you in. Mm. Like I'd sit here at this desk working away, working away, have that overwhelming feeling of this is not going to work. No one's going to come. You've unenrolled everyone. What are you going to do? And then get out of the seat over there where I meditate and just sit down, get in the body and just change the channel straight away. Mm. Like very diligent clearing of that monk. Mm. Because it's like, that is not needed. Thank you, no. intellect. Thank <laughs> you. I know you're trying to get my plan B, C, D, E, F mm. out of me, but we're just going to remain in the launch. We're just going to stay here. Yep. And that was the, yeah, the biggest change was daily mm. cleaning up of the energy and quickly changing to the channel of you mm. and just really inviting you in and like that's really hard work for me like that kind of body-based work Mm. um because I can tend to get a little bit like I was taking too long like I've got other Mm. things to do Mm. (laughs) you know yeah um but yeah really stayed with that and everything oh my god it was like the tap turned on yeah you know there was just it was and incredible. see, you're a, you're a sacral being as well in human design, so it makes a lot of sense mm. to me that, that that tap would turn on when you kind of really, you know, let yourself and, and as you said, like diligently did the thing, sat down, you know, changed the channel, um, yeah. but that it felt body-based, like that makes a lot of sense. Mm. That, that would naturally work also well say when we're in a position where either we choose to be working alone or the business 
is in mm. a position where it can only support us to work alone. So they're different things. Yeah. Um, don't underestimate the power of that, like isolation of your own energy. Mm. Because I probably mm. didn't realize how much, how leaky my energy was and how, mm. how easily influenced I was mm. and how quickly I could be drawn into worst case scenarios because I had that responsibility of other people, you know, like you and Lucy at that time. It's mm. like, I have, like, I've got to fucking make money. Mm. <laughs> like I've got people to pay. Um, but not having that kind of level of responsibility really allowed me just to, mm. to, I think, to do that energetic work because I didn't, I didn't really need a plan B because mm. I just felt like it was just me. And so, like, worst case scenario, what's going to happen? I won't run the season. I'll do, yeah. I'll do something else, you know. Yeah. So for anyone who either, you know, can't afford help right now or is just feeling you know, like me, I just feel, I feel more expressed and more easeful working on my own at mm. this time. And I know that I'll come into a season where I'll want that sense of camaraderie and team again. Yeah. But I just wanted to say that if you are on your own, like use it, mm. ground into that. Like mm. you do know, and you probably, your energy probably is cleaner than you think. Mm. Um, and you're in full control of it. Not that we're ever in control, but you know what I mean? Mm. When it's just yeah. us, when there's yeah. no external stimulation, yeah, it can be very powerful to use that as a season of, um, I think felt to me like I was reclaiming mm. the stability of my state. I'm like, I am mm. rock solid here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's empowering. Mm. Mm. So this season in off is um, all about our highest vision, which I love. Um, so I want to ask you if you can, I know it's, We've done the visual exercise inside of off, but I would love for you to describe what your highest vision is. I realized the other day that yeah, I'd done the the um collage, mm. but I hadn't written my thing, mm. which I might do actually. Um, I do love reading. I do love reading them. Yeah, they're very inspiring. Like yes, I if I am needing a little bit of a pep. Going and have a look. I'll go there yeah. and read them. I'm like, that sounds beautiful. I want your highest vision. I want your <laughs> highest vision. Um, my highest vision. And when we talk about highest vision, it's how do we want to be living? Mm. How do we want to be working? How do we want to be loving? How do we want to be expressing? What is the highest vision we hold for our one big life in this season? Because <laughs> yeah. again, yeah, gonna change. Um, but for the season I'm in. Um, it is a financially abundant business that allows me to be fully expressed in this work and to remain like deeply seated in this work and not have mm. to be thinking about those plan A, B, C, D, E, F on the financial side. Um, it is complete presence with my daughter when I'm with her. Um, I haven't really shared this before, I don't think, in the space or publicly, but having her in daycare less days mm. 
because I have a financially abundant, thriving mm. business. Mm-hmm. So my highest vision is to be with my child mm. as much as I possibly can be, especially in these first, I don't know, I feel like I'll be attached for the rest of my life, but like, especially in these first kind of five to eight years yeah. of her life. Um, and when I am with her, just deep eye contact, mm. just fully listening, fully hearing, fully observing, showing up and giving her the highest quality of me that she gets that first, which I have maintained, I'm so proud to say. And I, I do get proud of that because I know that in my work I show up at a really high level. Mm. Um, but I'm actually showing up more <laughs> mm. in my role as mother and that makes me feel just really proud of myself. Um, maintaining a loving and connected marriage, a marriage that grows alongside me is my highest vision and that I always feel comfortable to share with him the season I'm in, the season I might be moving into and what that might mean for us. Um, and then my vision for our cabin, yeah, <laughs> which is plastered everywhere from my screensaver on my phone to my physical vision board over there to the digital one we did in the space. I'm pinning almost every day to that mm. board. Um, so the highest vision is that we we live where we want to live, so that likely means renting here. We would love Betty to go to school in Bondi and do nippers and be a Bondi gal. And a big part of that for me is her proximity to network and wealth that I and my husband didn't get growing up. Um, So then buying a, a little retreat house that we can escape to. I think it is an escape, sadly, Um, a few times a year Mm. and just literally get offline (laughs) and connect as a family and just cook and play and listen to music and be together outside. And eventually I do see myself living in that Mm. environment in a full-time capacity. Again, it'll just be when and yeah who's there with me and <laughs> all of that. Um, and I think that's that's it for the season I'm in. Like I could talk at length about the business, but I feel like I've actually reached the highest vision of the service of the business. Mm. So that sense of, I've done the thing. It's very fulfilling. It's just the revenue catching up to the service has been kind of the missing piece, which is now in flow beautifully. Um, So, yes, I talk about a financially abundant business with the knowledge and knowing that the other bit's all set. Yeah. Um, And that I'm just proud I didn't waver on my depth of service when a lot of people in my life told me to pull back that if I wasn't able to extract a whatever they deemed to be relevant or worthy amount of financial gain, you know, just that yeah. that sense of you're giving so much, you should be paid X amount of money and it just has never been about that for me. 
knowing that if I was just steady in my service, that it'll come, you know, that will come. So that part of the business is feeling really expressed and, excuse me, good and true and not too much, you know, just really feeling into my, I think I felt this the most actually when my beautiful mum passed last year and we were in season and just witnessing my my stability and my capacity and we don't know until we have to kind of put it to the test a bit, you know, and there was definitely moments where I'm like, am I dissociated? Am I just surviving? Like, but even reflecting back now, it's like, no, this is what you're able to hold because of this beautiful practice that you do and, you know, this wisdom that you're so privileged to be able to study. This is what it all ladders up to is when you get presented with the material, you've got the steadiness and the very wide lens on everything that's at play, not just that one thing. Um, but, yeah, that's been really rewarding in this work just to feel like it's real, like it's authentic, it's true. It's not a duck gliding with the feet underneath. <laughs> There's like hours of that sometimes, but on the whole, I'm like, you're doing the thing. Yeah. And it should feel this easeful because it's true. Anything true is. Mm. Mm. I love that. And it's in those moments, I think, like you said, <clears throat> with your mum passing or, you know, those times where a past version of us probably couldn't couldn't show up in that way or in that moment that we realise how far we've actually come. Huge. Mm -hmm. And I think I wouldn't allow myself to even draw that out of that experience mm. at the time. You know, when you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, totally. Way to make it about you, Alison. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, of course, you know, it's been yeah. a year. I'm so early in. But the, the most reflection I'm doing now is on that, whoa. Mm. You know, if I can only imagine how it might have been for them to receive that mm -hmm. without your knowledge of all the knowledge I have of it now. Mm -hmm. um, but, of course, I have to mention, like, I had you and Lucy. Mm -hmm. So I was able to send a, what I know was a very thorough email, mm -hmm. <laughs> a very directional email, which, you know, I knew my mum was going to pass. It was more that we were in that kind of suspended stage of waiting, essentially. So I had a lot of that kind of not written or anything, just kind of tucked back in the mind of when that happens, it will probably look and sound like this. Um, but just the trust that I had, you know, because we were all showing up inside the space and in this work at the same level that I had people that could hold it on my behalf. And that's, mm. I think, a gift not everybody gets to experience as well. Mm. Um so, yeah, so I have, I have to mention that, you know, we, mm. of course, there's seasons where we work alone, but there's also seasons when I think a lot about you two in that time, like, there's just no way I could have done it on my own then, like I am now. So we all come into each other's lives, you know, when, no coincidences. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, so, yeah. But, you know, this is, and this is, I was going to say it a little bit earlier, speaking more to like 
you know, you being in it as well, like just that this is, this is, this is human, human led, heart led business. You know, this is yeah what I, what I like to think is like the new paradigm of business, you know, that it is more human centered and heart led. Yeah. And that we are mothering. Mm-hmm. We are caring for our sick parents alongside serving our customers and our communities and our clients all the seas mm-hmm. <laughs> um and this is what it what it looks like yeah you know but that doesn't mean that we're not coping if we show it no it's the most honest thing we can do is mm-hmm. bring people to the reality mm-hmm. and like you say like show them that this is actually what's always happening it's just that we're going to bring it to the surface and be authentic in it now mm-hmm. because for so long that conditioning, that system again said, can't bring that here Yeah, because you won't get the promotion, you won't be trusted, you know, don't say yeah. your kid's sick because we won't be able to rely on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the vision for the future, isn't it, that yeah. we're working under leaders who are modelling that for us. Absolutely. Yeah, which I'm very passionate about and that's, I think, the next place my work will go mm-hmm. is my sense, don't know yet, but that missing piece on helping that next generation of leaders. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I have absolutely loved this conversation. Same. It hasn't felt like we've been recording. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is nice. It's definitely I mean, where I was like, oh, we're recording. What do you think? <laughs> um, I'm very conscious of your time, but I do have one final fun question I like to oh, ask yeah. everybody. And that is if you could, because you know me, I like to bring it back to the food. Oh, God. <laughs> this, is, this is where I'll fuck and fail. <laughs> no, this is easy. This is easy for even those who aren't as um, adept in the kitchen to answer. If you could eat, one meal for the rest of your days, what would it be? It's hard. You know what? I would eat my mum's spaghetti bolognese. Mm. Like just the the homecoming of meals. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. Every time I arrived, landed, flopped, collapsed back on her doorstep. <laughs> um, help me, feed me. Yeah. She made the bolognese and taught me to make it. So, you know, mine's a little bit different to hers now, but I now think you're making I'd just it. eat hers over and over and over again. Yeah. It would be my – I mean, spaghetti bolognese is my favourite meal, but hers in particular. You know, mum's is like – Oh, superior. Mum's bolong. Yeah. So I think um, I love that. I think that would be it. And I probably have like it doesn't go together. I probably have like a side of chai. <laughs> no, I probably have chai in about an hour <laughs> after for dessert, but oh, not yeah. too late in the night because now I'm really sensitive to caffeine. So maybe I'd have a really boring decaffeinated chai. Yeah, on almond milk. Yeah, for yeah. Dessert, that would be my. I associate, I associate chai with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that was the thing is once I got rid of coffee, that I should probably talk, we haven't spoken about that, but that was huge for me. Um, that changed my mm. whole. When did you do that? I did that at the same time I learned to meditate. Mm. Okay. And I think that's a very common thing that happens in when you experience a de-excited nervous system, mm. you're like, oh, I want this. And then you have the coffee and it just moves you back into that yeah, more heightened state. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and then I just started drinking chai. But actually when I was pregnant with Betty, I didn't even have chai. I had no caffeine, that child, in my womb. <laughs> but that was for lots of other reasons. Like yeah. I had such bad anxiety. I'd read all these awful forums about oh God, the, forums. You know, the whole yeah. caffeine yeah. miscarriage and stuff. And because that was my only reality, I'd only ever experienced loss. You just kind of waiting. Well, that was my story. I was waiting for it to happen. Mm-hmm. So I went a bit um, OTT yeah. when I was pregnant about, you know, you could basically have more or less anything. And yeah. I went into this weird time of real kind of deprivation, I think, trying to secure some level of safety for me and for her. Um, but, yeah, so I did actually go a whole year nearly <laughs> with not even a chai. Wow. I know. I didn't know what I was drinking. I think I was drinking those, like, golden latte things. Yeah, 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 yeah. The turmeric lattes. Yeah, those. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, chai. <laughs> oh, I love that. And you know what's funny? And I'm not at all surprised. I feel like, I feel like obviously there's a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in food now, experience of food. But I think maybe because you and I are both Cancerians, mine's very similar. And mine is either my mum's or my nanny's roast. For me, it's like <gasps> Sunday roast. It was every week. Yeah. You know, you can like Same. drink the gravy. It's that Same. good. You know, like just that, that you're so right. It's like a homecoming. It's a homecoming in a meal. In a meal. Yeah. I could have said roast as well because she used to do one every Sunday too and she used to make her Yorkshire puddings because she was English. Oh, yeah. From scratch. And then I she have would... actually mastered the Yorkshire. You have? So I have, yeah. I haven't yet. That probably be something I should try, but our oven's a bit broken at the moment. So they won't cook properly. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Well, I think we'll wrap up, but obviously. I'm just trying to cough again. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) I feel like I've um, obviously spoken about often how, you know, big it's been for me, but I think just you personally, like, just one of the most pivotal people in my awakening, my journey, my reconnection with self over the last few years. And then to have had the opportunity to also support you in the work that you're doing. Just so much gratitude. That makes me emotional. Mm. Me too. It's day two for me. So. <laughs> oh, God. I think mine's coming soon. I should, I should have a look, actually, because I so had just, the other – yesterday I was like, oh. Mm, so just a um, heartfelt thank you from me and for all of the women and people that you are currently helping and will continue to help in the future. Honestly.
I mean it when I say, like, serving you serves me. I don't know how I would be, where I would be if I wasn't doing this. Like, it has helped me as much as I think it hopefully helps you. And I did also want to say, I we spoke about this, but I have a hard time asking for help. And so when you emailed me <laughs> and were like, hey, <laughs> you know, like you did the thing. Yeah. Where you said, I'm here. If it feels good and if it feels true and if you need the help, and it's like, I do, but I cannot fucking ask for it to save mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thank you for that because there's so much also that you put in place for us you know and I think the one of the only reasons I can be so easeful working alone now is because it was all kind of set so I'm really just maintaining so much of the work that the three of us you know did together so I'll always appreciate that and fully 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 support you in where you're going Mm -hmm. and I just see it for you so clearly you know, just it's so clear to me. <laughs> um, so to see you kind of let's say step in, but it's a stepping up mm. into that. Um, that's very rewarding as well because I know that that might stem from some of the exploration and the work and the grounding into self of there's more for me here. Yeah, you know, there's more for me to give in different ways than I've given it before and you're exploring that more and that's what the whole bloody thing's about, Mm -hmm. you know, with no attachment to the outcome, unfortunately. No. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, and then, you know, I just hope that we will get to work together again. You know, maybe you'll be so far out of, you know, how we work together or how Mm. you want to be serving won't fit anymore, but I I hold that in consciousness for us Mm. that it will just be something, I'm sure along the way 